studio in the great state of new hampshire welcome to the sounds like a search and rescue podcast where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the white mountains of new hampshire here are your hosts mike and stomp awesome stomp so welcome to episode 60 we're getting to be old entering old age yeah 60 minutes creeping up on 100 all right slowly but surely are we going to quit when we get to 100? I feel like we should just quit when we get to 100. Hey, man. At, at the moment, I, you know, we're booked into mid-June at this point. I don't know. If it, if it lets up and dries up, then yeah, sure. Let's drop it like a hot potato. Move on to the next big adventure. But yeah, we'll see. We had 60 shows worth of content, but they just keep coming. Um, <laughs> so do you remember how I was talking about like how... That there was a guy on the Appalachian Trail. He's a young guy that was complaining about the old people uh, getting up, getting up early and bothering him. Yeah, Did yeah. You know, we were talking about that last week. Yeah, it was all the old people so, causing a ruckus. Yeah, yeah. So this guy got in trouble. I read like there was a like a a follow up. So this guy posted. Apparently, he got himself banned from hostels and shuttles. So. He kept complaining about some other stuff. So apparently, if you're on the Appalachian Trail, and I didn't really know this, but like I guess there's a whole network of like hostel owners and shuttle drivers that all are on social media. So if you act like a a clown on on the trail, they the the word gets out. So this wow. guy like basically it was the same one that was complaining about old people waking him up. He seems like a high conflict personality type to me. Yeah. But uh, he did a follow up and he was like basically I can't stay at any hostels anymore. No one will take me. <laughs> it's like, hey, you make the bed you sleep in, you know. I feel like you have to be a special kind of asshole to just get kicked out of the. He's basically like persona non grata on the Appalachian Trail. Like, how does that happen? Wow. Yeah, it's like people go out there for the opposite reason. You know, you don't go out there to start fights. Exactly. So That's I thought that was pretty funny. Oh boy! So old people win again, Stomp. <laughs> yep. That's right. Hey, and. People may be wondering who's chiming in. Tonight we have uh, Steve Mason and Larson. Larson, I don't know your last name. What is it again? It's uh, Ojala. Larson Ojala. Okay, so Steve Mason and Larson are here. We're going to be talking about a huge uh, to-do coming up shortly with these fellas. So uh, we'll get there shortly. But thank you guys for coming down tonight and chatting with us. And thanks for having us. Yeah, no doubt. Awesome. Well, I wanted to um, just give a quick thanks for last week's episode to Megan and Cindy, and um, we'll add, so we included in the show notes how to sign up for the 48 Peaks event. Um, We'll add those to the show notes again, and we'll post that across a couple of our social media as well in case you want to get involved. It's a great event, 
got a little, a lot of good feedback from uh, from various people around that episode and the fact that um, you know that fundraiser has been so successful for so do what you can for f- raising funds for uh, the Alzheimer's Association. Yeah, I got a lot of great feedback too. It seemed like it was really well received. Lots of direct messages and um, you know just complimentary. Um, uh, posts and whatnot so very cool we love helping out where we can you know we'll try to do that in the future with other um, agencies and and folks doing different uh, uh, benefits and whatnot so don't feel uh, hesitant to contact us and let us know if you need a little support yeah definitely and I want to th- thanks again to Megan for saving me the embarrassment of getting caught not knowing what the ice age trail is right <laughs> <laughs> Somebody did their homework. <laughs> I was like, stomp. Don't ask me a question. I don't have any answer to it. That sucks. <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway, the um, that incident prompted me to do a little bit of research on the the Ice Age Trail. And um, I found I have never heard of it before, but Arlette's out there. And when she finishes, she'll have completed all of the National Scenic Trails. But I guess this is, uh, do you know, with glaciers, the edge of the glacier is called um a more moraine like a, a moraine so all the the edge of the glaciers basically push all this rocks and trees and debris and everything and eventually like the the glacier goes out to a certain point and then it contracts so i guess the ice age trail basically follows where this glacier system stopped and the trail is like right along the edge of whatever that debris field used to be back when there was glaciers in Wisconsin. And it sort of zigzags up and down Wisconsin for like 1,200 miles. So it seems pretty cool. Yeah, it's just in Wisconsin? It's in Wisconsin, yeah. It goes from, um, it looks like it zigzags through the state. So it starts like in the, the northeast co- corner and then goes south and then goes back up. Um, Wisconsin's a, apparently a pretty big state to have 1,200 miles, but right. it seems, seems pretty cool. So we're excited. I want to see if we can reach out to Arlette and get, get some, some details on it if we can get her on the show someday. But I didn't really know much about it, and Stomp asked me like what the deal was, where it was located. I didn't even know, so Megan looked it up for me quickly and, and covered us. So it's in Wisconsin. It's one of the National Scenic Trails, and it looks pretty cool. Hey, let's go. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a couple of fire updates here, Stomp. So the latest and greatest that I've been able to find on these two fires that are go- that were going in, in the White Mountains is that the Lead Mine Fire, which was the one up by um, Gorham and Shelburne in that area there where you, you get off of, um, what is that? Rocky or oh, Rattle River. You get off Rat- Rattle River across the street and head up to like Mount Hayes and into mm-hmm. Grafton Notch. That fire is 100% contained and the AT corridor through that area was closed. It's now officially open so you can go go back through the AT and get up into Grafton Notch. The second fire, which is the more recent one, is the Bemis fire and as of yesterday that is almost 100% contained which is good news that's about 100 acres worth of uh, land that's got three separate fires going um, it's contained at this point but the uh, the trail systems around it which is Arethusa Falls Ripley Falls and that Frankenstein Cliffs area are not they're not open at this point so yeah 
just for um, safety. I'm assuming if it goes like the, the lead mine fire, like maybe in a few weeks, I, I don't know. Who's posting uh, updates on this? This is the National Forest Service is posting okay. the updates. Well, it's pretty important information for anybody heading out in that area. Those are popular areas. Yeah, and it's yeah, it is. Is you get a lot of people that aren't hikers that are looking for not a lot of elevation and a good experience. And Ripley Falls and Arethusa Falls are always great options for people. Definitely, yeah. So that's it. Hopefully, there'll be no more fires up there, Stomp. Yeah. No. Well, it's been pretty dry. Although it's like the rain is coming in a little bit, I suppose. And uh, we've kind of had a couple episodes but not much it's been super dry oh yeah it'll be the rain will be coming in strong friday and then it'll go away saturday <laughs> yeah <laughs> right when we're starting <laughs> right when we're starting and ending <laughs> i know i've been tracking it we're gonna talk about the weather but hey it's gonna be warm yeah whatever keep you keep you monsters cool yeah <laughs> this is i exciting. actually just got a new I got a new iPhone and I was, I had, I reset, I didn't reset it, but I loaded it. But one of the things with the new iPhone is even if you, even if you like do a backup on your phone, when it loads up all the details, it doesn't include the locations that you program in for the weather. Oh, really? Okay. So I didn't have anything. Yeah. So it was funny. I was looking and I was like, what do I put in for location? So for me up North, I sort of have like a, I cover the whole area. So I have Brownfield, which is Freiburg in Western Maine. Then I've got Gorham. Then I put in Bartlett and then Lincoln. So I've got all four of those locations for the weather so I can get a, get a view of the whole, the whole White Mountains. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, a um, couple of housekeeping things here. Stomp, you had flagged that um, for some reason some of our episodes are not showing up on YouTube. I don't know what's going on there, but one of our episodes got flagged for being like illegal or something, and I don't really know how to fix it. So check it out. Some of our episodes won't be on YouTube. Yeah. So apparently, Slasher violated YouTube's spam deceptive practices and scams policy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. I don't know what that means, and I they obviously don't make the effort to tell you what exactly caused the flag so moving on yeah i don't know I'll, I'll try to fix it with this episode that's coming out now but um i think that the issue is is that we just have like a blank screen with our logo on it and then the podcast runs for an hour or two so maybe they don't like that i don't know yeah how many i i think the people that watch the youtube um don't it's a very small percentage i'm assuming it's probably like me and like somebody else that's about it yeah, I, I go on. Sometimes if I'm working, I'll go on to YouTube and listen to podcasts or I'll listen to, I like old school wrestling. So I listen to this guy, Jim Cornette, who has like some podcasts and stuff. Yeah. And I'll listen to him on YouTube quite a bit. And he's got the same setup where it's just a picture and then you can listen to him talk. Gotcha. Huh. Yeah. Who knows? I wouldn't stress about it. Yeah. Um, more housekeeping. I got to give a shout out to a listener, uh, Marissa. I don't want to want to use her last name just in case she doesn't want us to. But um, I follow back last year when I was trying to get a dog when Mrs. Mike shot me down after I attempted to adopt a dog. I've got a bunch of um, dog groups that I follow, <laughs> even though I'm not really on social media that much. I always say that, but I am. Um, 
there was a, a call from this organization called OBRA, which brings dogs up from Puerto Rico. And I don't know how I ended up following them. I, I have a theory, but I, I can't remember exactly. But um, they put out a, a call saying that they had a dog flying in to Boston. I think they fly up from Puerto Rico and they needed, they had an emergency, like they had to get this dog from Boston to Conway. So I shared it on the Slasher page and Marissa uh, reached out to the organization and was nice enough to pick this dog up and drove it from Logan Airport up to the, the, the shelter in Conway, New Hampshire. And then presumably the dog's going to get, I don't know what they do with the shelter to get the dog ready to be adopted, but um, the dog hopefully will be on its way to getting a nice a nice human house. Hopefully two millennials with no kids. Yeah, maybe your house. Yeah, maybe, maybe my house, I don't know. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> yeah. My wife's not budging at all. You just got to bring the dog home, Mike. Right? You I know, Steve. <laughs> you don't ask questions. Everybody just bring that dog that. home. <laughs> Everybody says that, but they don't have to live, live with the consequences of that like I do. So. Um, oh, boy. But yeah, you're right. Maybe that's what I have to do. I, I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. And if I, need a, if I need a place to stay after it happens, I'll be knocking on your door. All right. <laughs> so, oh, good stuff. Anyway. Um, and then the last update that I have before we get into talking about what these lunatics are doing for a hike coming up. Um, the hiker <laughs> shuttle from Cannon to Lafayette. So remember, I think it was shut down last year because of COVID. The hiker shuttle is now opening up. And the deal with this is that you park at the Cannon parking lot and it's a $5 cash only round trip, $5 per rider round trip, regardless of age. And um, <laughs> cash only. That's interesting. Cash only. And then the you can bring a dog too. They have to be well behaved. You got to pay five dollars for the dog too. So any anybody that has that's breathing air that's going in the bus is five bucks. But it goes from you know if old people are allowed on that shuttle to Canada. Old people are allowed on it. Young people, everybody's allowed as long as you're a human or a dog. <clears throat> I do wonder though, like if, if like Flocky gets on there or Bree brings her rabbit, like that, that if they have to pay. Yeah, I would think so. Unless you stuff them in your pack and hide them. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But it operates from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, and the last shuttle runs from 8 p.m. sharp from the southern end. Um, so you've got to be at Falling Waters in that area to be picked up mm-hmm. by 8 o'clock. And don't That's, miss it. That should be enough time, unlike the uh, the Boston to Falling Waters shuttle. That gives you, what, like less time for the same? Oh, my God. Yeah. And they leave if you don't make it back out in time? Holy moly. Yeah. Oh. yeah exactly. And um, it says it's at the southbound starting point is the Peabody Big Lot at... Cannon Mountain, yeah. so exit 34C. It's the gravel parking lot directly across the road from the base lodge. Yeah, that's Ball and Mountain. And the northbound. Yeah. And then uh, Falling Waters Old Bridal is the other one. Nice. There you go, people. So that's pretty good. Honestly, I'm a big fan. Like, I get it. People want to go 
old bridal and falling waters, but I like the uh, the green leaf. Yeah, or skook. Skook too. Yeah. Yeah, they're both great trails. I agree. Yep. So if you're sweating getting parking at Falling Water, like I think people stress out about parking at Falling Waters, and like you shouldn't stress out because you can always just go to Cannon and just go up Greenleaf or, or go up to Skook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can also just walk the bike path pretty easily too. You know, it's not that far from from uh, that parking lot over to Old Bridal Falling Waters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think it's about a mile and a half or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, Stomp, on to you for sponsors and coffee talk. All right. I think we need to talk about this a little bit. I'm getting overwhelmed with donations, and I'm wondering if it's serving its purpose or if if listeners are getting a little annoyed by it. Um, You know, listeners should know that what we did was we set up this donation account on Buy Me a Coffee, which is super cool, and the idea being... You know, you could make a donation to us to pay for the the web hosting and all that, or New Hampshire Alter Council. You send it to us, and we'll plug you, give you a plug. It seems like <laughs> it seems like that's all I'm doing every day is like posting these damn things. Uh, it's so funny. So, you know, maybe some people can get give some feedback to us. Uh, you know, we don't want this to be annoying, but we also want to give people plugs for you know helping us out and donating. So. You know, let us know what you think. But this week is crazy. So I'm going to have to skim through this. And uh, so we have uh, Joe B donated um, a listener from the Rockies. Welcome, Rockies. Can you imagine? We're getting out there, I think. Uh-huh. Mary, Mary, I apologize for your last name. I'm going to butcher this one. Um, Mary Zlachiuk. Uh, she's amped up on slasher for the commute and move over java basically like she doesn't even bother with coffee anymore so tracy m thank you jimmy k and uh jimmy writes thank you for raising alzheimer awareness uh jeff thank you for the donation alts info rannon also donated uh stating alzheimer's basically so thank you for that episode uh john ganji thank you shandy of course thank you so much sarah Heather, uh, another commuter that listens during her commute. Um, Steve donated, and Steve says, Mike, he's still waiting for merch, so what's the deal? And then we have Arwen Wentworth. Arwen, how super cool. She made note of her name because it's obviously a Lord of the Rings reference to Arwen, the half-elf, she-elf, of course, from Rivendell. And then at Solo Hikes and Philly Girl. I don't know if Philly Girl is in Philadelphia, but pretty cool. So there's a ton of donations, and uh, we thank you all for it. And, of course, we want to just give a quick plug to Reckless, and um, they're up in Bethlehem, 15 minutes from Franconia Notch, many 4K footers, and less than 10 minutes from the Five Corners, which gets you to, what, Garfield and the northern end of the Pemi Loop. So... Uh, check out at Reckless Brewing, they're the best. All right, so uh, welcome to episode 60 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. This week we are joined by extreme adventurers Steve and Larson, who are going to be hiking a single-day Lodge to Dodge route this month. 
Uh, so this route starts at the Ravine Lodge below Mount Musalaki and will mostly follow the Appalachian Trail through the heart of the White Mountains, crossing the AMC Hut System and finishing up at the Joe Dodge Lodge. So normally this might mean three to five days worth of through hiking, but these maniacs are planning to do this in a single 24-hour period, kind of. It might go over, Mike, a little bit, but we're going to, you know, <laughs> we're shooting for a good time. Yeah, exactly. So we'll discuss all the details on the route, planning and logistics, and learn all about what it takes to stay focused for something like this. And then later in the show, we're going to review some recent search and rescue events that have happened across the Whites. With the warm weather starting, um, it's resulting in more SAR calls. So we're going to break it down for you. I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. Awesome. So Stomp, what are you drinking? Anything good tonight? Just a little vodka and lemonade. Yeah. Last minute uh, beverage for the show. My wife whipped it up for me. How about you? <laughs> I am back to my Mayflower Brewing Love and Wrestling. Nice. So. And I'm just going to assume here that Steve and Larson are on the water kick at the moment <laughs> in prep for the big adventure. Yeah, we both don't drink, so at all. Dego coffee, yeah. I get amped up in coffee in the mornings. I got the Frozen Head State Park Cup from Tennessee, my last visit down there. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Barkley Marathon Country. Awesome. All right. So, um, Stomp, any recent hikes for you? No, man. I've been uh, in Boston, essentially, for the last several days. You know, I had my daughter's commencement, and DJ show, and Boston Red Sox. It was just insane weekend. So, a lot of fun. I haven't had a chance to get out i'm hoping to get out maybe monday uh for memorial day weekend uh with my wife but uh, we'll see so how about you mike anything well before we get into that i have a question for you so you went to the red sox game yeah yeah it was a good did time did you stay to the end wasn't there a what was there a walk-off grand slam to win there the game? was there was a walk-off grand and did slam. you stay to the end no we're chumps so okay <laughs> the shame drop in there immediately the shame drop goes in. <laughs> Oh. Well, here's the deal. I was up until about 3.34 the morning before riding blue bicycles all around the city with these guys that I work with here and there. And uh, we just had the best time ever. So we were exhausted. So by the end of it, we're like, let's just start rolling because we still had a two hour drive to get home. So, yeah, yeah, we're chumps. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, missed the best moment of the year. Yep, yep. It Sox. was excellent. Excellent stuff. We were listening to it on the road, but yeah. Moving on. Well, mark that and make sure that shame goes over that. So, anyway. um, so no hiking. I've got, uh, I didn't, haven't been out just because I'm dealing with uh, proms and graduations and, and all that planning stuff. But I am going up north this weekend. So I'm going to do, I'll probably get over to Burnt Meadow. And then I think I'm going to head up in Evans Notch and maybe do the Royces and either that or I may go up to um, Shelburne Mariah yeah. and do it not from Rattle River, but from the other direction. I've never done those trails. Okay. Huh. Sounds good. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. So if you're up in Evans Notch or uh, that area over this weekend, take a look for me. Maybe I'll be around. Right on. We have uh, several notable hikes, and Mike, I'll give you the honor. You can be the the judge on these. Ready? Okay. Sounds good. So we have Marita. She did a Pemi Loop. 
we have uh, a tag from Nick Seedla who uh, he did uh, he did uh, this Mount Success, which was thirty out of fifty two for uh, with a view, fifty two with a view, and Pine Mountain on the same day. And uh, Brando six twenty four reckless and hail, so he's putting a little reckless plug in there for us. And Salman seven, it, you know, it looked like the Great Gully to me. I'm not a hundred percent sure what the hike was. Um, it wasn't labeled really, as far as I could uh, notice. And then Shandy hike take a go did the Hancock Loop in high temps and humidity. That's always a challenge. Uh, 10 under 4, this one caught my eye. The B-18 bomber uh, up on Mount Waternomy. Um, apparently, this listener's boyfriend's uncle was a survivor, and she says, you guys got to do a, a, a little segment on this, and I totally agree. We have not covered that really in depth, and there's a lot of detail to that story. It's incredible. Uh, two more. A. Folsom 33 did uh, Mount Monroe via ammo. Nice work. And then... Our favorite photographer at Corey Outdoors, Sunrise on Adams. So what's it going to be, Judge? I saw some of those. Yeah, I saw some of those photos. So yeah. I would say I, w- I would say Nick gets the runner-up for getting out to Mount Success this early. And, sure. You know, I, I love that hike, although it sounds like I did see that one, and I saw somebody else posted something, and it sounds like it was a socked-in day, which kind of blows because, you know, it's a project to get out to Mount Success, and it, it, you do want to get a view. It sure is. Um, but I would say the, the – the, what is it? The B Is it a B-10 bomb? B-18. Or what, what's the what, – B-18 bomber, that's got to be, that's really cool. Have you been to that that site? I've been there several times, yeah. It's a really somber place, and it's it's a pretty difficult hike up. It's very steep, um, so it's it's awesome. It's quite a, a moving experience. Yeah, we need to do an episode, a full episode just on plane crash sites. Um, oh, yeah, good call. So I've got to go and check that place out. But you do. I think, like, I've been on success in that, um, the, I forget what that is, like a, I think that's a Boeing plane, but that 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 area is amazing. The plane crash, but some one of these days we'll we'll do a full episode on plane plane crash sites because there's a lot around in New England. Yeah, this one takes it to a new level. I mean, you can see huge parts of this B eighteen, and those are huge aircraft. You can see the engines. You can see um, portions of the body of the plane with the 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 logos. You know the 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 American Star logo and whatnot. Um, so it's it's a hell of a hell of a place. So what's it going to be, Mike? Awesome. Runner up oh, goes wow. to Nick, and uh, who's who takes number one? Ten under four. The 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 the, the, the hiker that the uncle was in the plane crash. All right, right on. There you go. Congrats. Virtual hugs. <laughs> yeah, very good. It's good. Good to see people getting out. I'm looking forward to getting out this weekend. Slashers hiking topic of the week. Moving on to this segment of the week here. So we've got Stephen Larson with us. So welcome back, Steve, and welcome to the show, Larson. Stomp, why don't you kick this off by reminding the listeners of um, you know Steve's background a little bit and then introduce these guys and talk a little bit about what Lodge to Dodge is. Sure. Well, Steve, we'll start with you, Steve, because you have been a guest, and uh, we really appreciate that. And it was a really fun episode, and, you know, since that episode, we've had other people on to 
confirm and uh, <laughs> validate some of your stories, especially the epic Kilimanjaro story, which is amazing with uh, <laughs> your pulse oximetry uh, shenanigans, which is pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, Steve is, uh, you know, obviously a prolific hiker, uh, does slides, does, you know, bushwhacking, you know, you don't run by lists, self-proclaimed non-list guy, but you're just out there for the love of it. And um Larson, you're new to me. I've not heard of you. Um, you came with Steve's blessing, so open arms on our end, which is fantastic. So um, I don't know. Steve, do you want to add a little bit more about your little background briefly? Yeah, I've just been out there. Um, like I said, I don't, I'm not a list guy. I just like to do things that excite me, and I really enjoy bushwhacking and slides. And, uh, and I like to just challenge myself both mentally and physically and see what I'm capable of. Um, and so last year was kind of my, it was my biggest year out there and I was able to do a lot of things that I, uh, wanted to do. And, um, I came into this year, uh, a little beat up, <laughs> a little injured and, and, uh, now I've kind of just worked through them yeah. and I'm ready to go again. Awesome. And how about you, Larson? Give us a little background on yourself. Quite similar with Steve. Um, I started hiking about, see, three years ago, a little more, maybe three and a half. Um, I have a, a history of addiction, so I kind of like filled the void for that. And mm -hmm. I, I've been really enjoying the ultras and pushing myself. You know, I, I'm kind of looking for that limit, and I haven't found it yet. So um, last year was my biggest <laughs> year as well, so... So when you guys say biggest year, what what do you mean by that? Let's start with you, Steve. What was what was your mileage last year? What what were your accomplishments? Um, so I did. Th I had thirty three hundred miles, um, one point six million feet of elevation gain. Um, I was able to do a lot of single day things like. Um, I did uh, the Monadnock Sunapee Greenway. Um, I did a Pemi and a Prezi in every season. I did uh, a Prezi, a single day Prezi Pemi. I did two different single day double Pemi loops. Mm -hmm. um, hut to hut traverse. Um, I don't, there's a lot of stuff that I did. A ton of big hikes, but uh, I can't, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, that's okay. That probably is enough. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. The basic thing is you're a, a powerhouse and you just, nothing's stopping you at the moment. <laughs> Larson, anything stand out for you over the last uh, several months? Um, yeah. Well, last year I, I made a few routes. I, um, I broke the Monadnock 24 hour record. And mm -hmm. last uh, last April, and um, went on the Chronicle for that. I, I did the Brattleboro to Monadnock to um, Sunapee as a ninety-five miler yeah. in uh, twenty-eight hours. Um, just like Steve does, big adventures. I've actually been with him. We did a lakes to lakes up in the whites so as a hundred k. So we did that together. Um, that's how we kind of got to know each other was through the repeat days like he did at the Uncahonex. Yeah. He did a 24-hour challenge over there, and I was doing mine at Monadnock around the same time, and a friend of ours linked us together, and we've, had, we've enjoyed our company there over the last probably year now. 
So oh, that's yep. great. It's been fun. Yep. Okay, so this comes back to me some somehow, I guess. So, so the <laughs> what is Lodge to Dodge? Um, Larson's grinning. So this is sort of funny. Um, my wife and I moved up here back in 2016, and you know, for that first year when we were up here, um, I was doing a lot of Pemi loops and this and that, and I tried one hut to hut, and ended up. Uh, tweaking my ankle on the way down um, 19 Mile Brook. Is that the name of the trail from Carter Notch Hut? Um, and with the adrenaline, I just kept on pumping, pumping, pumping. Made it up to Madison. It's just, I, I think I tweaked it again, but regardless, that's when the pain started kicking in. So long story short, I hobbled out all the way down to Mount Clinton Road and a good Samaritan picked me up when I got down, I believe, Edmonds Path and then drove me out. So after that, I was pissed and I wanted to try to do it again. And I never did. I never got around to it. And, you know, after that, my mind was sort of running like, wow, that was hard enough. I wonder what could be harder. So I started looking at the maps and I'm usually one to look at uh, like Google Earth and different resources to find new places to explore and this and that. Then it occurred to me, how about building on top of the traditional hut to hut, which is generally done in 24 hours. Um, and the goal of that uh, adventure is to hit all the huts of the AMC along the White Mountain. So how do you make that harder? And I realized that you could tack on from the western side of the Whites, you could tack on Ravine Lodge at the beginning of Mount Musalak and then go way over to the Wildcat side and tack on Joe Dodge Lodge, um, which is at Pinkham Notch. Um, at the time, I think it averaged out to like 70-ish, 70 miles or so to do that. So basically, uh, you know, you're starting at Musalak, you're you're coming up and over into Lost River, and then you're doing the Kinsmans, and then up over the, uh, the northern wall of the Pemi, and then you're making your way up over Tomfield Willie, and then into the Southern Presidentials, and then, then like I was thinking, how do you how do you get back to Joe Dodge though if you're gonna add Joe Dodge Lodge into the mix? So I figured, all right, now let's make it a little harder. Go up to Carter Notch Hut, up over the Wildcats. And then back north up 16, back to the lodge. So so there you go. That's sort of the foundation of what I was thinking. And, um, you know, several years later, I never got a chance to do it. My, my health just sort of got in the way with my hip replacement and things like that. And, um, you know, just uh, with the, the podcast, suddenly we found ourselves in a position to sort of say, Oh wow! You know what? You know, with like Rock Hopper doing these cool races and um, this and that, and people looking for, for harder challenges, it, it got resurrected. So this idea is back on the plate. And after many months of planning and um, deliberation, um, we're gonna try to pull it off this coming Memorial Day weekend. So uh, that is the reason why Steve and Larson are here to talk about everything that we've put into this. So, so. Are you saying that you invented Lodge to Dodge? I did. There's no question about you it. You did. Yes. This is this uh, is. Did you trademark that shit? Yeah, Lodge to Dodge. So, <laughs> so it, you know, it en- encompasses <laughs> two huge historical or like just you know, uh, first of all, the r- 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 Ravine Lodge is epic in itself. But then to tie yeah, in yeah. Joe Dodge, who is this 
monumental figure in the whites um, is just a very cool idea. So Lodge to Dodge. So you start at Ravine Lodge and then you end at Joe Dodge Lodge. Good. I actually didn't even realize this. Like I, we've been talking about this, but I feel like we talked about it so much that like I was afraid to ask like for details because it became like we had talked about it for so long and I never asked for details that it became too late for me to ask for details. So I'm just finding this all right. Well, you I know thought what? that Lodge to Dodge was like hut to hut that like a bunch of people knew about. Well, here's the deal. You just invented this. I'm so proud of you, Stomp. Dude, I've had this. Oh, I've had this um, in the back burner for many years and um, I'm surprised nobody else thought of it. But yeah, it's slashers now. So I'm hoping that um, people latch onto it and try it, you know, and uh, the big... Petri dish this weekend is going to be to see how it works with uh, Steve and Larson. And um, what I wanted to say before we get into the details with Steve and them um, is that Steve has taken it to a new level because Steve has added spurs and summit peaks to the jaunt itself. So that's what boosts up the mileage to 77 miles. And it makes sense. It's totally cool. And um, honestly, I had approached a few other people, but they were somewhat reluctant. And as I developed a relationship with Steve over the last few years, and then I've been seeing him crank out like the Lowell shoot and stuff like that, I just thought, this is the guy. This is the guy to do it. And, um, you know, his whole crew is obviously solid. And, um, you know, he's the obvious choice. And he chomped at the bit. I think uh, you were coming off of... um, I don't know, Steve, what were you doing at the time? You were doing like multiple Pemi loops and this and that. And I was, I was like, dude, I have an idea you might like and uh, pitched it to you. And I think you you enjoyed that thought and said, yeah, man, next next season, let's do it. So the rest is history. Yeah. So any questions, Mike? Well, I think the only thing I would say is for the listeners, and we've talked about this before, like, Steve Larson, you guys are maniacs. Like you're going to get this done like super fast. But I think the listeners for the average people, like I could not do this in you know in, in a single day or like even in a single sort of fast push within like a 24 or 36 hour period. So I think think about this from the perspective of for most normal people, you could do this as a backpacking trip over the course of three, four, five, six days, it's 77 miles. So, you know, whatever your daily mileage is, this is going to traverse sort of the the heart of the White Mountains with plenty of sort of shelters and huts and whatever you want as far as staying. So, you know, we're not saying that everybody needs to bang this out in like the fastest known time. Like this is a, a great route for people to just do at their own pace. These guys are just lunatics. Yeah. Also, I think that, um, you know, like there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, they they do enjoy pushing themselves. And, you know, this bug starts and, you know, people will start with like a Mariah Carter Wildcat Traverse. And then, you know, they'll Prezi Traverse, Pemi Loop, Hot to Hot. And this could be like the next step, you know, to what people want to push themselves. So I'm not even sure, like, you know, what. You know, like, you know how they talk about, oh, if you can do the Pemi Loop in 24 hours, you know, it's the second hardest day hike in America, you know. But so there there could be a number on this. I'm not sure how to calculate that, like what that number should be, you know. But I, I think it, there'll be there will be people who will want to, um, you know, step it up from the hut to hut and have a go at this, too, you yeah. know. Yeah. 
Well, at this point, it's non-commercial, so people could do it however they want to do it. I guess this ragtag group is trying to figure out what's possible and to see you know how, how we do as a team. Um, but if it went commercial, I, I could see it being a one-day or two-day, well, not a one-day, but a two-day event, like a non-stop event, because there are people that are out there capable. And Christina was on here a couple episodes ago from Rock Hopper saying that, yeah, man, you know, that's the, just like you said, Steve, the hunger out there for more challenges and more miles is there. Um, so, yeah, yep. absolutely. There are, there are definitely, you know, athletes out there that can, that can do this in a, in a single day. No problem. You know, there's definitely people that can do that. Which is insane to me. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Amazing. So tell us what, well, we'll get into like logistics and stuff, but tell us what you added to my original concept. All right. So you had put it out there that um, peaks were optional, you know? So, um yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do something, I'm just going to do it. You know, I don't, I don't, I just want, I'm all in, you know? So I added, um, just to start with, we would hit Musalaki. Um, and then, um, we would hit all, basically all the peaks along the route. So, um, coming off Musalaki, then we would obviously hit the Kinsman's and, uh, out, Lonesome Lake, and then we'd go up Old Bridal to Lafayette and over to Garfield um, and Galehead, mm-hmm. um, South Twin, and Zealand, um, and then down, uh, yeah, on our Z- Zealand to A to Z. And then, well, once we get up off A to Z, we would hit Tom. Um, and then Pierce, we'd have to go over. We'd hit uh, Monroe, um, Washington, Clay, um, all the summits uh, along the presidentials um, would get hit. <laughs> and then you descend what Osgood down to? Yeah, yeah, okay, yep, Osgood, and then back up to the Wildcats. Yeah, yeah, out to the hut, and then back, and then up A, and and then. Uh, Across across that ridge and down and take the Lost Pond Trail um, back over to Joe Dodge. Epic. And I think it was it was uh, it ended up being like um, it added like five or seven more more miles, and um, I think the total elevation for it now will be about thirty two thousand feet. Wow. So I'm thinking about 75 miles, 32,000 feet is what it'll come out to be. Wow. That's epic. So essentially from a numbers perspective, it's, it's, it's sort of like doing two Pemi loops then. Um, In a yeah, sense. no, 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 no two pem- more mileage. Would be, yeah. yeah. It would be more mileage and, um, and, um, You wouldn't it's have that much. Yeah, more like two and a half yeah, Pemi loops. Two and a half, because you wouldn't have that much gain in, in two in two Pemi loops either. Yeah, so, yeah. two, yeah. But uh, it would be it, it's it's definitely harder. No doubt. All right. So, what have you been doing for training, Steve? Yeah. So so um, 
for the past five weeks, I had I'm coming off of a, a stress fracture on each one of my shins, so yeah. I kind of got I kind of didn't. I didn't let myself rest properly and I uh, just got all crazy and started running on the road and doing things I don't normally do. And uh, I ended up with some stress fractures. So um, I've, for the pe- I've been allowed to start hiking for the past five weeks and I've been doing uh, as big a stuff as I can do without injuring myself, you know? Um, so I've been doing a bunch of um, 20, 20, five to 30 mile hikes um with anywhere from like seven to ten thousand feet of elevation gain and uh, and that's been a lot of um bushwhacking and slides and all kinds of crazy stuff all uh, incorporated into these hikes so that's pretty much what i've done in the past five weeks to get ready now what do you guys anticipate your pace is going to be like are you thinking running or just like a fast hike or? Yeah, I think we're going to try. I think the goal is to try to um, power hike all the ups and um, jog all the sections that we can jog all, you know, flats and downs. Gotcha. Which is probably pretty safe. Good way to do it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm always curious about this. Like, are you planning on taking any quick little naps or just like motoring? I think I think we talked about that, and I think um, we aren't. We are not going to tr- take any naps unless that is like a determining factor. You know, like just say all of a sudden, you know, we're, one of us is struggling, um, and that's what is needed to continue. Then that will be the only way we take a nap. Otherwise, we plan to just power through it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So uh, listeners should know I'm going to be the support guy on this one. Mike, you know, you may jump in. I have um, another individual actually that's interested in help and helping us out. So what we're planning on doing is supporting you two um, at all the major road junctions and trail junctions along the way over the two and a half days. So could you talk about those locations? And, you know, certainly if listeners want to come by and say hi quick on your way through, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, let's do that. All right. So our, so basically the first the first little section will be up and over Musilaki um, from Gorge Brook to uh, the Beaver Brook Trailhead Route 112. Yeah. Um, that's about that's eight miles long. And this is Friday morning, the 27th. Yep, Friday the 27th. We're going to boots on trail on, at 6 a.m. We'll start at 6 a.m. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be in uh, Beaverbrook parking lot probably between mm. 8 and 9. Yep. And then, uh, and then we'll shoot across the street and head up the Kinsman Ridge Trail. Uh, <laughs> that section over to... Um, uh, Lafayette place will be 14 miles long yeah. and, um, and, uh, you know, you will be meeting you guys at 112 and Lafayette place. Um, and then from there we are gonna head up. That's about two thirty, two thirty PM roughly. Yeah. Yeah, um, it could be, but it, it all depends on how we're moving. If everything's going good, it could be quicker, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that, um, 
Um, and then from there, we'll, we'll uh, head across the street and uh, head up to Lafayette mm-hmm. and start working our way over to Route 302. And that will be the that will be the the biggest stretch, and that will be twenty four miles um, wow. to Route three hundred two. Um, from there, will it'll basically be a full prezi yep. from there, um, and d- down to Route sixteen, mm-hmm. and that will be twenty miles. Um, and then the last leg will be nine miles out to the hut and then over the carts, uh, cats and, um, cross lost pond back to Joe Dodge. Gotcha. Incredible. So I think there's, uh, uh, 112 Lafayette place, um, 302, 16 and Joe Dodge. So five, five stops altogether. Yeah. So we can post the times and the junction points for listeners if they want to stop by and say hi. Um, it's amazing. Um, what, what are you guys doing for gear and how are you managing what you're taking, what you're going to be carrying? Um, how are you planning for the weather forecast coming up and, um, how do you foresee that all working out? Um, yeah, so obviously we're hoping for, (laughs) for good weather, but, um, it's been kind of back and forth with rain and stuff like that. Um, but it has, it looks like it has been getting slightly better as the week progresses. So, um, just, you know, it'd be nice to, it'd be nice if it was not too bad, but, uh, we're, we're both all in anyways, rain or shine, we're doing it. Um, and, uh, for myself, I think Larson's doing something similar too, but I'll be, I'm just gonna, I have, um, multiple vests that I'm going to have pre-packed mm-hmm. and I got um, multiple sets of clothes and sneakers and just so I can just roll into these places and um, literally just drop a vest, change my clothes, throw a new pair of sneakers on and um, and uh, put a new vest on and just go, you know, yeah. so we're wasting as little time as possible. Right. So we're going to have Larson's uh, tent, uh, hopefully. I believe that's part yep. of the plan so that when you guys roll in, you can jump in and change or whatever you need to do and and then jump out and move on. Super exciting. Yep. All right. So that is the nice part is that when you're supported like this, you can, if you get a change out of your clothes or you have to switch out sneakers if, you, if they're soaking wet, I would assume keeping your feet dry is going to be something you're going to want to focus on, making sure you don't chafe after... 20, 30 miles, and then um, food at the at the break points will be critical. But um, you just—it sounds like you're just going to sort of manage just like you would any other ultra run. It's just you know the distances between breaks is going to be a little longer, I would think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that we're going to be able to. If, if it's raining, I mean, like we're just going to get soaked yeah, and yeah. Uh, our feet again wet and i mean the trails are wet there's sections especially in that in that uh first section coming off uh, going uh over to the kinsman's that's real wet in there you know boggy and stuff so uh, that's why i just have that's why i'm not even messing around with it i just gonna i'm just i can swap my stuff out real fast and just move on you know and Mm -hmm. i don't even have to worry about trying to get around stupid stuff (laughs) are you packing uh traction no no. Nope. Okay, you're pretty comfortable with the shape of the trails. Uh, 
I've done a few sections last week, um, or this past Friday, um, Gwen Stratton and myself did, uh, the, um, the cats and then we went across the street, went up Osgood and up to, uh, up to, uh, Madison and then did a Northern Prezi. And, uh, I was, all, those trails are all fine. Um, and I've talked to other people and then like e- even some of the other trails that I've been on have been all fine. I haven't worn spikes, um, since I've been back out. So, yeah. um, I feel comfortable without, without bringing any traction. Yeah. Good. Okay. Hey, Larson, how about you? What's your take on all this? Any specific plans or how, how is your approach to, uh, tackling this? Um, I say full send, but (laughs) 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 send it. Uh, I'm a little same thing. Yeah. I'm kind (laughs) of dealing with issues like Steve is, um, I've been kind of injured. I was, doing repeats at Monadnock and I did I did 12 summits there in, in preparation to try to achieve it <laughs> whoops <laughs> oh boy just get- yeah he was saying I think he was about to tell you like he's got he had like a little bit of, so like me with coming off my injury and having I haven't been able to train the way I wanted to um, train for this but I'm not no excuses you know we're gonna go out there and get it done he's got a little bit of IT issue IT band issue he just got over um, but he's he's the same um, you know it's not we're just gonna go out there and, and give it our best and and that usually is good yeah um what are you doing in terms of say like safety or you know if if you're injured up there just how how do how do you manage that or approach that for this type of thing um yeah i i don't i won't like my safety kit is is very minimal as you know um so uh if something happens um I'll be able to get myself um, back to where I need to get to, yeah. but uh, I, I won't be carrying too much with me. Yeah. Um, just I'm just trying to stay light as possible, um, just like I, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the huts are open, like Mike said. Everything's ready to go at this point, which is good too. Yeah, I mean, it, the, any anything can happen, but. Um, I just believe in, in staying light. And, um, and I honestly think that I can, I can get myself out of, unless it was something serious that I couldn't, I'll crawl out of the woods, you know, before I make a phone call. (laughs) Well, Stomp will be waiting for you. So just just text him and he'll come in. Yeah. There you go. Stomp, when they're, so when they're moving through, what is your plan? Like as a support person? Cause I, I, it's interesting. Like I watched the video of the documentary about Scott Jurek when he did the, the fastest known time for the southbound Appalachian trail. And like he had a whole system with his support team. So you're going to be that guy for the, for these two. So are you just going to basically head out to the different um, road points and wait for them? I will have a tent. I will have all their gear and uh, water provisions, you know, food and everything else that they're going to be packing in. Uh, Slasher donated some um, money to these fellas to get ready for this. So it's sort of the first sponsored event of the podcast, which is pretty cool. Um, 
yeah, so I'm just going to be there ahead of time and I'll be sitting around probably reading a book. <laughs> I plan on being local because, I mean, this, you know, I'll have a rough idea as to when they're going to show up at these junctions, but I, I definitely do not want to miss it. But, uh, you know, keep a lookout for the Great Tacoma and the Stand Up Tent and um, come on over and say hi. But, uh, yeah, everything's going to be in the truck and ready to go for the quick change. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating the, the first, you know, 12 to 24 to be fairly wet. So, you know, we're going to take care of these guys and make sure they're dry for the next leg. Awesome. And I'll figure out my, my schedule for the weekend. I can probably be around Saturday morning. I know I'm heading up to Freiburg on Friday, so I will, uh, I'll try to make my way over on Saturday to meet up with you guys. So sounds good. Very exciting stuff. Anything else we want to cover here before we move on to search and rescue stuff? Yeah. I just want to let Larson jump in again before, because he jumped out. So Larson, you were just talking about your prep for this. So why don't you jump in again and take over? Yeah. I had service or something going on here. Yeah. No worries. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so um, I like I said was saying earlier, I've kind of copycatted Steve on a lot of his um, double backpack ideas. I think he's actually running with three, so I'm going to bring a few of mine pre-packed. Um, my my nutrition, I, I'll probably have four pairs of shoes because of the weather. Um, my yeah. last my hundred miler last time, I was in the rain all night. And, I, it was very nice to have an extra pair of socks and new shoes like every 20 miles when my my uh, sister and my wife met me and um <laughs> it got awesome. to one point where yeah i just um i just ended up just suffering it out the last 20 miles but i remember contemplating maybe doing another 20 and um the blisters on my feet from the rain and the wet shoes all night kind of deterred me from that yeah so um, rain is definitely something either snow or rain seems to come every time I do anything big. So I'm pretty much <laughs> expecting it, you know? <laughs> so I, I, I do have, I do say that, um, dry shoes and socks is the most important thing. Like I like to have, it's just, I've never had someone like support, like, like you are stop with like being there at every road. I've never really had that. So yeah. this will be really nice. Well, it's going to be a luxury for sure. Yeah, I think it's indicated with this type of mileage. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, And Larson, I guess and I have my opinion on this based on the route, but what do you think from your perspective, what is going to be your your favorite sections of the route? Yeah, um, my favorite section is going to be the Prezi's, probably the Prezi section there. um, I've always liked that, and I think we're going to be hitting that at the right time or it'll be starting to, you know, later in the day middle um later in the night rather so i'm pretty excited to be up on that ridge with the hopefully we can see lights below and it's not all socked in but um, i'm really looking forward to that and plus you know once we get up on that ridge we know we're home homebound free at that point so (laughs) yeah yeah it's gonna feel good to be up there yeah, yeah. So Think of the psychology of that. George Washington. <laughs> no, it, funny. no it, it will too. As like the closer we get to to uh, to Madison, the closer we get to Madison, it'll you'll just that smile will get bigger and bigger on your face. Oh, yeah, and then 
and once once you're in the night once you're at the 19 mile brook trailhead i mean it's almost like you you know that you got it at that point you know yeah but think about it like the last <laughs> leg are the wildcats like come oh, on oh i know that's going to be tough uh, yeah, yeah I, but no i yeah, yeah i can remember one well, I remember one time uh, last year, Gwen and I, uh, it was just freezing cold and we had just a hard day and uh, we we did something big. I'm not even sure what it was, but we finished it with a um, with a cat's traverse. And that that point seven miles up to a was just it seemed like it went on forever and we were just crawling up it. But yeah, so I've definitely been I've definitely, you know, had my my troubles going up there and I'm sure this will be no different. Yeah, that was my thought is that like I think the two hardest parts like for me like coming down Garfield Ridge and then back up to South Twin that is always brutal and then I would think like that last push up Wildcat is going to be brutal as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I definitely think that. I mean, it'll be nice to only have nine miles left, but I know it'll be at that point, you're, we'll be tweaking out. We'll be tweaking mentally. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to slap each other around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, when you guys do this stuff, are you talking a lot or do you just get into your zone and you're just, you're just like, don't look at me, don't talk to me? Like, how does that, how does that work between the two of you? Or do you not know enough? to um to know how it's going to go larson um yeah i definitely with steve and i we will talk the whole time almost you know and it's going to pass the time awfully quick but um i have friends who you know they, they i have friends i call them my human sacrifices they'll come along, them along and torture them and that's all i hear is them looking for an out so with steve it's not the problem we'll have a good time but that's an interesting question, though. Are, do, are you guys planning on having some of your friends meet you at certain points to join you on trail? Yeah, yeah. Good. There'll Good. be some. Good. Uh, there'll be some people out there, definitely. Um, that that um, I know. Uh, Gwen's got a route going on, and she plans on crossing paths with us. Good. Um, Good. And my friend Clark Plummer, he's Larson's friend too. He'll be out there with his. Our, our friend Mike Connolly, they're, they're both crushers, and uh, they'll be out there, and they plan to cross paths with us too. Excellent, awesome. Well, there you go, people. So, Lodge to Dodge. Any final thoughts before we uh, move on? Full send, right, Larson? Stay hard. Send it. Let's go yeah. Friday morning. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, my only thought again is like, sort of just like these guys are maniacs. They are like superhuman. We don't all have to be superhuman. Like I couldn't do this. Like I said, like this route, it can be done like sort of on a fast rate, but also just if you're listening, this is something like you could set up and say like, I'm going to do this over five days or I'm going to do this over six days or <laughs> I'm going to do sections of it. Um, you know, this is sort of like the route that goes through the heart of the whites. So if you really want to get an understanding of what the white mountains are like, any part of this route will will give you a good exposure. You know, it's it's always going to be challenging, but um, you know, don't just yeah, look at this yeah. from the perspective. There'll be of, some. Uh, get this done there'll be some people fast. out there definitely that I know uh, Gwen's got a route going on, and she plans on crossing paths with us. Um, and my friend Clark Plummer, he's Larson's friend too. He'll be out there with his. 
our, our friend Mike Connolly, they're, they're both crushers, and uh, they'll be out there, and yeah. they plan to cross paths with us too. So listen, um, we're going to move on to Search and Rescue now. So Lodge to Dodge starting this Friday. This episode will be released that morning, but uh, people will have all weekend to you know jump in and say hi. And uh, I'll try to post updates on Instagram and stuff like that. And uh, Steve... Larson's dropping out, but why don't you go, Steve? And we're just going to cover search and rescue, but I want you guys to go and get rested. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, I will see you Friday morning, bright and early. And we'll be talking. Yeah, we'll 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 definitely like touch base through text uh, just so we're all on the same page. But we appreciate uh, everything and the support from you guys. Oh, you bet. Uh, it means the world to us. And uh, this is this is huge. All right. Larson, Steve, catch you later. Check on out, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. <laughs> cool. That's going to be wild, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. They are um, They are maniacs. I'm very impressed. Yeah. It's going to be cool. But, you know, who, who knows? Maybe it'll turn into an annual race that um, pops up and is supported by the community. It, it very well could be. And that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Just make sure you trademark Lodge to Dodge Stomp. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to get that web domain name, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard, man. I wish, you know, I look back now in my younger days when I was really in great shape. And, um, you know, I wish I had sort of focused more of my efforts on some of these extreme endeavors in the mountains versus so much time doing like half marathons and marathons and stuff. But it is what it is. You know, I think. Yeah. It's out of my reach at this point, so I just don't want the listeners to feel like, um, you know, they're they're looking at these routes that are out of their reach. Like you can chunk it up into these like little smaller hikes, like I said, and that's that's probably what yeah. I'm going to do because I definitely need to get like that section between where like Mount Wolf is, like the section between Beaver Brook and the Kinsmans. I need to get. Oh, I, sure. haven't, I haven't hiked that area yet. Yeah. So that's a goal for me personally. So I'm just going to take a piece of the the route and try to try to get it. Yeah. Do it in segments, much like people do with yeah, the AT. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But moving on to search and rescue here. So we've we've got a busy busy weekend yeah. last weekend. I think we're you, you want to start. You just put a note in there. Yeah, we are officially in the busy season because it's been nonstop. Um, no details as of yet, but just today there was a call for Welch Dickey, Summit of Welch Dickey, so we don't even have a report on that yet. But before that, it's been basically a mission every day for the last several days. So uh, the first story we have here is what? Galehead? Yeah, yeah. I can I can run through these. So uh, the first one, and these are not in order of date. They're just sort of in order of how I put them on the paper, but... Um, on Sunday, May 22nd, um, 9.45 a.m., New Hampshire Fishing Game was notified of an injured hiker at the Gillhead Hut um, in the Pemi Wilderness. So for those that are not familiar, Gillhead Hut is pretty remote. Uh, I, I'm assuming the roads are open now, so you can get in there a little bit easier. But yeah. um, a lot of people will hit Gillhead on like a Pemi loop or you know they'll come in from garfield or south twin or or a variety of different directions but it's a long way out so 69 year old female had suffered a lower leg injury on saturday afternoon 
May 21st and was helped to the hut where she was spending the weekend. So she already had um, reserved a spot at the hut. So the, the hiker stayed Saturday night in an attempt to recover and to be able to hike out. Um, Sunday morning, they realized that the injury was worse and would require a carryout. So yeah. at 125, the first rescue was reached Gilhead. So I'm assuming the AMC staff had notified uh, Fish and Game about the situation. And I'm assuming there was a lot of back and forth. But again, it was like 945 where the call went in. And because Galehead is one of these locations where it is, a, it's a haul to get in there. And Stomp, I'm assuming you've been on rescues in that area. I know there was one in the winter a couple of years ago near Galehead. But, um, you know, 125 in the afternoon, the first rescue was reached the hut and the hiker and um, the rescue team was comprised of uh, conservation officers and the PEMI um, search and rescue team. And uh, this this hiker was a, a female from Massachusetts. She was placed in a rescue litter and carried over three miles to a waiting ATV. And then it's I guess the AT, ATV got in about a mile and a half to the trailhead. So, yeah. But it was four and a half miles in. ATV got in a mile and a half, but they had to carry three miles mm-hmm. uh, to the trailhead at Gale River Road, where she ended up arriving at five thirty. So she's injured on a Saturday. Yeah, gets to the hut, stays overnight. They're sort of assessing the situation Sunday morning. They call Fish and Game nine forty five. They package her up one one thirty or so. Probably takes them a little while to package her up, and then gets to the trailhead by 5.30. So this is a long weekend. It sure was. And I think it was fairly hot that day too, if I remember correctly. So to get her at the the heat of the day, that makes that three-mile journey much harder. Bravo to the rescuers. Yeah. And she was part of a group called the Pioneer Valley Hiking Club. So there was like 18 people in the group. They were well prepared and had done numerous hikes from the hut to surrounding peaks. So this group was returning from Mount Garfield when the injury occurred. So just like I talked about with Steve earlier, that section where you come down from Garfield and then you get to the Galehead Hut it's a very. I mean, remember that oh. that was sort of the toughest part of our hike when we did the when we did that Pemi Loop <laughs> yes. one. But Super it's just steep. It's wet. Yeah, it's basically climbing a waterfall. So my guess right. is that as she's coming down, she probably slipped because the rocks are all wet. And the problem with that Garfield Ridge, and then also coming back up from Galehead up to Salt Twin, is that those rocks are structured in a way where you can't always just easily step down. So there's a lot of sort of jumping a little bit farther than is comfortable. You know, each rock is sort of positioned in a way where you can't always just easily step down. There's a lot of jumping, a lot of sort of placing poles, and then using the poles to f- sort of get yourself positioned to get to the next level of rocks. And it's it's just a dangerous spot. Yeah. Absolutely. And Stephen Larson will be tackling it. I think they're going to be hitting that by nighttime that section good luck yeah good luck that's a brutal section there garfield ridge it really is yeah but they're well prepared and you know there's worse places to be injured than you know at least she made her way to the hut and they were able to sort of assess her yeah 
All right. Um, next one is a injured backcountry skier rescued from the Great Gulf. I didn't know that you so could this ski one, in the Great Gulf. I mean, I was up there a couple of weeks ago, and there was still snow, but yeah, it's just a lot of effort for not a lot. I mean, the, the, so the sections that you can ski are not super. I mean, they're not super wide. It's like it probably take you like less than a minute to ski down from one section to another. Mm-hmm. And I know that people are into it and they love it and it's a thing. But to me, it's like the the amount of effort and time it takes to get you to the point where you need to be to ski down. And then the amount of ski time you actually get, it just doesn't. I'd much rather focus on like doing an epic hike. but yeah. Or go to Tux or something. Yeah. But who yeah. knows? Exactly, but this happened on Saturday, May twenty first. So as as the, the this other person in Gilhead was getting injured, um, this person took a fall. So May twenty first at approximately two fifty p.m., report came in from other skiers who witnessed the skier tumble and fall several hundred feet while skiing down the Great Gulf on a ski run known as Alpine Gully. Hmm. So thirty seven year old um, skier from New Hampshire had been attempting to ski the steep terrain when she fell, striking rocks in the process. So the other skiers who witnessed the event came to her aid, similar to the scenario we when we had Jeff on and his friend where they, they were down in Tux. Yeah. Um, so luckily there was also an off-duty Durham firefighter and EMT that provided medical assistance. Um, so they were able to triage her, and the New Hampshire Fishing Game and Volunteer Rescue Resources were... were um, Staging, so the group of skiers took it upon themselves to be, be, begin taking her down 700 feet, oh, taking her up 700 feet up the rim of the Great Gulf. Oh, I see. So from there, they assisted her over to the Cog Railroad tracks. So that is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that wow. is an insane amount of. Um, of distance there um, that they would have to go up and then from there the Cog Railroad tracks isn't too far but um, well fishing game and, and mountain rescue services were making their way to the skier from the auto road they had helped her out of the gulf and flagged down a train from the Cog Railroad so the train was able to stop and they agreed to take her down to the, the base station so yeah. um, so what are your options good for them so you, you can either go up 700 or get her down to the base of the Great Gulf Trail and then litter package her and drag her out. That's like no great options. I mean, I think going up is the better option there. Yes. And I mean, your gravity sucks. I got to tell you, I mean, gravity is such a challenge. It, it doesn't make it easier in the sense, it, it, the physical sense anyway. Like that is exertion and a half. So again, it's like bravo, man. These volunteers yeah, are amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, too, because the auto road was open. I do know, and I've been up there a bunch of times, that a, a lot of the skiers will take the auto road, and they'll park on one of the lower parking lots and then make their way over. So it could be that, you know, she wasn't working super hard to get up there. Like, they, maybe they drove up, parked in one of those lots, and then hiked over to the rim of the Great Gulf. And then that becomes a matter of, like, it's just you know, walking over and then you go up and down, up and down, up and down for a little while. But 
you know, to get her up 700 feet to get to the rim and then head over to the Cog Railroad. That's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. No question. So hopefully she's fine. Yeah, exactly. And shout out to the Cog Railroad as much as like people like to hate on them because of various like development stuff. And, you know, they, it is a mess around the tracks. Like, it, again, it's another example of when they are called upon to help somebody in distress, a hiker or a skier, like they are there to help out. Yeah. All right, so the next one here is um, Hiker in Distress on Mount Shakura. So this happened on Friday, May 20th at 1 p.m. New Hampshire Fishing Game was notified that a hiker was suffering from a medical emergency on the Hammond Trail on Mount Shakura. So this is a 21-year-old young man from Darien, Connecticut. Uh, He was hiking with a group of friends when he lost the ability to continue um, and I think this was the first day where the heat wave hit us. Yeah. So doesn't give a lot of details, but his hiking partner was able to place a call on 911 for help. They were nearly two miles from the trailhead. So um, conservation officers, um, U.S. Forest Service, and then they activated the solo. Um, solo had a class going on, so some of the solo students hopped on mm-hmm. Lakes Region Search and Rescue and an ambulance uh, from action ambulance was re- responded. So as the hikers were, as the rescue was hiking in, the hikers' condition improved, and when they met him, he was treated and able to hike out under his own power. So he arrived back at the trailhead. He was evaluated by the ambulance personnel, and um, the feedback that Fishing Game gave us gave was that the hiking partners were prepared with enough equipment to spend the night on the mountains. So. It's a good example of a group that was prepared for the unexpected, but um, right. it doesn't really give it in any detail about why he was in distress. Yeah. We can only speculate. Yep. Yeah. So that's good. Solo student got a little action, which is nice. <laughs> it's great. It's a huge resource having them around. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and then... I don't have a. I don't think Fishing Game put out a report on this one, but I think this was on social media. But there was another um, rescue on Bond Cliff. So late Saturday night, around 10 p.m., a man suffering a medical emergency five to six miles out in the Pemi Wilderness required evacuation off of the Bond Cliff yeah. Trail by a team of rescuers. So I think that this was posted out on social media. My understanding is is that people hiked in got this this hiker out to the three-mile mark, and then they were able to get an ATV out to, to take him out. Yep, pretty much. Another very late night. Yeah. Stop, you, you were out busy. You were busy drinking in Boston, so you missed a lot of this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, riding blue bikes. You know, can I say that Boston... I could foresee Boston getting rid of vehicles altogether and just having people ride bikes. It was so much fun. And we we literally ripped it all over the city over the course of two to three hours. It was so much fun. Like, there's no terrain in there that was impossible. Like, we went from, let's see, Akamai area, yep. uh, the Marriott Hotel, over all the way down the... Uh, Star Drive area, so we saw the hat shell, then we went to the public garden. It was just epic. State house and then all the way back. It was so much fun. Highly recommend it. 
Yeah, I've never done the bikes in Boston, but I've done them in San Francisco before. I just like I got the app and I just would grab a bike and just cruise it because I was there for like a work conference for like three or four days. And I just grabbed the um, the bike and I drove around San Francisco wherever I wanted to. It was perfect. I didn't have to deal with Ubers or anything. It was great. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, a couple of us got them and then we had a walk, maybe quarter mile to find a few extras for the whole party. But uh, once we were on it, boom. Super cool. Very nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I highly recommend that. Um, so last one local here that I, I, I have is um, Friday night. Pemisar was preparing a group of recruits for a qualifying hike along with some current team members when a call came in for an injured hiker on Artist Bluff yeah. in Franconia Notch. So this almost seems like a plant to me. <laughs> like this seems like a... <laughs> it seems a little too perfect for uh for what happened but i mean it was like so you've got like a you've got a volunteer so you've got like a a qualifying hike which normally i think they go up cannon or you guys go up to greenleaf hut and then just as that's taking off somebody happens to get injured at artist bluff which is like the easiest place to get to in the whites and then you get a little action for the recruits i'm almost thinking like maybe this is a little wwe (sighs) activity where somebody like hit somebody in the kneecap to get um get a little activity but anyway i joke obviously but like the the qualifying hike was getting ready to go and somebody got injured on artist bluff and they redirected the qualifying uh hike and the recruits to help with um help with assisting this injured person so i don't know if it was a carry out or a walkout or what the deal is yeah it was a carry so there are no conspiracies but there are no coincidences (laughs) i I don't know it just seems a little too convenient for me (laughs) you know that you know pemi does you know generally three qualifying hikes a year and it's it's historically accurate to say that at least two of them get pulled uh, you can almost count on it because they happen during the busiest time of the year or you know one of the two busiest times of the year with that being fall. But uh, isn't it funny? It's yeah. always nice having a gaggle of people ready to just send somewhere like, oh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, but again, like you said in the beginning, it's been it. it we are in. We're in rescue weekend, so hopefully, as you're doing your support for um, Stephen Larson, you know you don't get any calls. Oh, that would be I a know. Conundrum. Yeah, that'd be tricky. But you know, yeah. there are a few stretches there that could work out very well. <laughs> you might be there already, anyway. So. All right, so so that's local stuff. Now we're moving on to we got a couple of national news stories. I'm going to get there. I think I got a few of these. So. Yeah. Some are funny, some are not so good. So, uh, Boy Scout suffers minor injuries after run-in with a black bear at Harriman State Park in New York. So Interesting. Um, a young Boy Scout from Cooperstown suffered minor injuries after a run-in with a black bear. So, 12-year-old Henry Akers woke up to the bear. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> 12-year-old, I mean, this is like a stuff of all. That's a movie 12-year-old scene. Henry Akers woke up to the bear while camping with Boy Scout troop 1254 from Cooperstown. Holy moly. I have a Cooperstown story. So Aaron and his friends were sleeping under the stars, so they were cowboy camping. Wow. When a hungry bear mistaked him for a burrito and tried to bite him through his sleeping bag as he was waking up and started to drag him into the woods. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, look at so this. So luckily, him and his friends yelled and they scared the bear off. Wow, that's so, so scary. That kid's going to be traumatized. Never going to go camping again. I, that's for sure. This kid is a badass, I'm telling you. So his quote was, I thought I was still asleep. I can barely even remember it now because it was dark out and it was a black bear, so it was dark. I could only see its face. <laughs> so he had to get rabies shots. Okay. Um, after the encounter, but he's still excited <laughs> about his next camping trip with friends. Wow! Yeah, that's a that's a badass right there. Holy moly! Yeah, is it when you have to get rabies shots? Like, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like I've heard this before. Like, is it true that you have to get like twelve shots in your stomach when you get rabies shots, or is I that really don't is know. that urban legend? <laughs> I, I really don't know. <laughs> we should find out. That sounds pretty miserable. Like twelve, I have no basis at one point in time or over. I don't know. I have no basis to know why I think this, but I have been told <laughs> when you have to get rabies shots, it's like twelve different shots in your stomach, and maybe it's like a, over twelve weeks or something, like a progression. I don't know. Maybe somebody told me this because I was messing with a wild animal and they they wanted to scare me, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Listeners, just explain to me how rabies shots work. Oh, that's great. So this story, it sort of reminds, originally when they, when, when they said that the kid was from Cooperstown, I thought the incident happened in Cooperstown, but it actually happened like closer to New York City. But when I was a kid, me and my friend, so my friend Steve Burt and my friend Sean, we went on like a road trip because my friend Sean was moving to Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. we stayed and camped at a campground at Cooperstown. So we went to like the... Um, the the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, and then we stayed at a campground. And we had an incident with a wild animal. It wasn't a bear, but we had left food all over the picnic table. And my friend Steve was sleeping on the picnic table and woke up in the middle of the night. And we we all woke up because he was screaming and he had a a raccoon licking his forehead while he was sleeping. (laughs) So I'll never forget, we all woke up because Steve was screaming and we all, it was one of those like car camping places. So we all got out of our our sleeping bags and hopped in the car and slept there the whole night because we were afraid of the raccoons. Oh, I I bet. My goodness. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're they're ferocious. Yeah. Scary. They're not gentle creatures. Yeah. Poor Steve was getting his head licked while he was sleeping by a raccoon. Oh man. That's amazing. Good stuff. All right. All right. Here's another one. So this one is a harrowing story, but it turned out well. So Georgia hiker rescued after falling off a waterfall while snapping a photo. Absolutely a miracle. So stop me if you heard this before, but selfies, waterfalls, it doesn't turn out well. Yeah, that seems to be the trend. Yep, so this hiker in Georgia was rescued Friday and what officials say was nothing short of a miracle after she fell 50 feet off a cliff while trying to take a photo and became wedged in rock in the rocks of a waterfall. So this ended up being like dozens of rescuers from a bunch of different agencies, a technical rope situation where they had to get like a litter down with a rope system and it was a whole big thing. So the 17-year-old girl fell 50 feet from the peak of these cliffs and became wedged inside the rocks from her chest down where the waterfalls meet. So wow. it was extremely challenging. Huge amount of gear. I mean, I'm looking at some of these pictures here, and it just looks like, 
I mean, there's like six different ropes that I can see. They've got a staging platform like you would have on the side of a cliff that the rescuers are actually sitting on to get to the person. And then I'm assuming they had to get another litter down there. So it's just crazy. She walked out, which is amazing, after a 50-foot fall. I mean, if you think about the size of a triple-decker apartment building, I'd say that's probably about 50 feet, right? Maybe a little less. Yeah, Yeah. and she just perfectly wedge herself right in between a bunch of rocks wow (laughs) creepy i mean that picture is just not worth it i don't know (laughs) that picture is not worth it send a drone yeah yeah i feel like if you're so if you're listening to this and you're going to any sort of waterfall situation I feel like you need to approach going to a waterfall like you would approach going into war and you have to be like 100% situational awareness. And the only focus for you is to like find out where that edge is and just avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Or going in the ring with Mike Tyson. You just don't want to do that unprepared. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a better analogy. Yes. Like you're going in to fight Mike Tyson. Right, with no experience whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So now we got another one that this one did not end well. Another... Another hiker who lost his balance and plunged 80 feet to his death near a waterfall in Ohio. Mm. So this is a 45-year-old gentleman that was hiking at a place called Conkles Hollow State Nature Preserve on Sunday, May 15th. I guess this guy dropped something while standing on an observation deck. So they even have like a nice observation deck, which I'm assuming has like... I don't know. I would assume it has fences around it, but there's an overlook. And uh, this thing that he dropped landed near the edge of the drop off. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine what happened next. So this guy stepped off the deck and wandered off the marked trail to get to the item. But as he reached out, he tumbled and um, went down about 80 feet. And uh, unfortunately, first responders got to him and pronounced him dead on the scene. So. It's a, like a spectacular waterfall, I guess. It has a sandstone cliff that's nearly 200 feet tall, standing over a, a big gorge, mm-hmm. which is about 100 feet wide. So it's a, a pretty cool yeah, I'm looking, looking place, but looking this guy at, did not survive. I'm looking at the pictures. It's a beautiful place. Very yeah. lush. But those cliffs look deadly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well. I don't think of like Ohio when I think of like big waterfalls, but this one looks pretty big. Yeah. And that's it. We made it. Show 60. That's it. That's it. So Stomp, good luck with your Lodge to Dodge. Thank you. You're going you're gonna to kill these guys. Like, do we, uh, did you like sign waivers? Did you <laughs> even sign waivers or something? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm not involved in this, right? <laughs> oh, it's they do it. Of their own free will. <clears throat> okay. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> it's fun though. I mean, it's like it's really nice to support people that love to do this and you know help them out and try new stuff. So, Stephen Larson, best of yeah. luck, and uh, you know we will give listeners updates along the weekend and uh, post some pictures and feel free to stop by and you know we'll have the old slasher search and rescue banner up and we'll be easy to spot 
Yeah, yeah, this will be fun. We'll be wandering on the white. So I'll probably meet, like I said, I'll meet up with you on Saturday morning. And again, so this was episode 60, Stomp. We're doing well. We're moving along. Yeah. You got your projects. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Lodge to Dodge. Who knew? Mark that thing and, you know, you, you, you can retire off of this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. See you soon. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fishing Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.